Welcome to Sundays at Coastal. This week, Pastor Andy Rock preaches a sermon titled, Do Not Sacrifice People for Things, from 1 John chapter 2. The phrase eternal life literally means life of the age to come. You are built for heaven and for the life of the age to come. You are literally designed so that you can bring heaven here on earth, and so the eternal life Jesus gives you would start right now. How? Do not love the world. Do not sacrifice yourself or anyone else for a thing in this world. Do not lust for things or people or power or position. Put all of your affection, all of your love on your heavenly Father. Remain in Him and in the intimacy He shares with the Son. Uh, Hi, everybody. Welcome to Coastal Community Church, where it only rains on Sundays and Tuesdays. Uh, So we're so glad that you're here this morning. I'm so, so delighted that you're here. Uh, So we have some... uh, Every single week, what we do is we we remind ourselves of the truth that we see in Scripture. Um, The heartbeat of our church uh, is this vision that we find in Isaiah 61, that the Spirit of the Lord is, is resting on us, that, that God is using us to bind up the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, to give sight to the blind, that God is using us to bring hope where there was ashes, now there is joy, where there is sadness, now there is, is, is restoration. And so we see this, God is doing this in us, and then God is using us to do this in each other and people who are outside these walls. And so we repeat and proclaim and declare these truths every week to remind ourselves, to pro- propel ourselves, and then also in moments where we just we don't yet quite believe it in that area of our lives to encourage ourselves. So uh, can we declare these truths together this morning? So we, we believe that there is hope beyond our brokenness. So if you were looking for a perfect church, you messed that up when you walked through the door, um, right? And so none of us are perfect, and that's okay. Jesus is the only celebrity here. Amen? He's the perfect one. And so that's why there's hope. Uh, So second, we are called to trust in our risen Savior. And trusting is that word, to, to believe or to have faith or to have trust, or trust they're all synonyms. It's we're learning how to put the weight of our souls uh, to, to, to draw near to God, to believe what he says about us. And, and that's a journey uh, that we do together, always together. And then finally, we are called to bring restoration for our community. And so y'all put money in a digital bucket or in a real bucket and Julie's going to take it this week and then come back next week and tell the story about how, once again, you, in the small faithful ways that you do, have become an answer to massive prayers in people's lives. And that's what we get to do as a community. And so each one of these truths of hope and trust and restoration has a choice that we get to make with them. And so let's declare this together. We are disciples who intentionally with God. Therefore, I choose to be changed by Jesus. I choose to seek Jesus first. And I choose to join Jesus in his resurrection work. So can I I have permission, again, to speak to your heart of hearts? This morning, we're going to be talking about John is going to compare and contrast 
loving the world versus the love of the Father. What the world offers what, as opposed to what the Father offers. And what is so challenging about this is that, uh, is it like Zed said, some of us have a real hard time with fathers. I, I lost my dad five years ago. Uh, he wasn't much of a dad. And so I'm learning this week. Of course, you know, the, being a preacher means a pastor. It means, or as Joe says, oh, that was a nice study. Uh, and so I guess being a studier, a giver of studies. Um, when, I, when I preach and talk about these passages, all of a sudden I'm going through them that week. And so there's a difference, a big difference between our frame and experience that we have with our own fathers and then what our heavenly father is like. And it takes time and conversation and experiences for us to understand what our Heavenly Father is like. And so my prayer for you today is that this would be one more step in the journey for you to know how deep the Father's love is for you and how much you are adored and how when you get to heaven, you will see his love in every area of your life sustaining you, supporting you, Literally, the very breath that you take right now is because of his love for you. So, can we pray real quick? That'd be okay? So, Jesus, uh, awaken our hearts, renew us, restore us. And I pray for the parts of us, Lord Jesus, that need to be changed, that need to be healed and redeemed and transformed. I pray, Lord Jesus that you would do that work today. And all God's people said, amen. amen. So before I, I preach, I, we got some fun news for you. So the fun news is this. <clears throat> because of your incredible generosity this year and because things are, uh, I don't know, what God is literally bringing revival to this church We've been able to do lots more events. I don't know if you know this, but there's something going on every single night of the week and every single day. And uh, I was talking with uh, Nina Rutledge, one of our elders, and, and Nina said, there was a time when I went on church staff when I was doing so much as a volunteer that the pastor came to me and said, okay, Nina, it's time that you actually come on staff and get paid because this is ridiculous or my favorite term is a mixture of bonkers and ridiculous, which is redonkulous. Um, and, and so we have a, a person in our church who doesn't even live in this city uh, who has, is spending 15, 20, 30 hours a week sometimes loving you and ministering to you and helping you. And, uh, and her name is Debbie Freeze. And so Debbie's there. Uh, and so the, the elders voted unanimously this last week uh, to officially make her the Minister of Razzle Dazzle. So uh, De Debbie's going to be working about 10 hours a week on average. Uh, and what that looks like is doing the same thing that she's been doing right now, which is women's ministry and uh, the encouragement team and then also our prayer retreats. So the Minister of Razzle Dazzle, welcome to staff. 
Could we pray for Debbie real quick? Jesus, we know that any time that you go, we go on staff at a church, that all of a sudden all hell breaks loose. And so we pray for protection over Debbie, her body, her family, uh, her marriage, her heart. Bless her, protect her, and we praise you, God, for bringing her here. And all Jesus' people said? And then we're coming down to finalists for our minister of children's position, and we're preparing... Uh, to uh, send Paul on the first uh, mission to Mars on <laughs> March 31st as he at- attempts to retire. Um, we're like the mob. We plan had to drag him back in uh, as he, but he's escaping on, on March 31st. And no, retiring, retiring. May? May, not March. That's 2026, bro. I don't even know what you're talking about. This is three years away, uh, May 31st, in just a couple of months. Uh, Paul and Kathy will go on their next adventure together. And so uh, the elders are in their fight. We're, we're narrowing our pool of highly qualified candidates who have applied for this position. So we'll let you, more, uh, we'll let you know more about that uh, after Easter, okay? So First uh, John. First John. John's about 70 years old when he's writing this letter. He's writing this letter to friends. I'm not going to say that 70 years old is old because because um, I know my audience. I do not want to get beaten with canes this morning. Uh, so last week, okay, settle down, y'all, settle down. Last week, we talked about the difference between uh, love and hate. Uh, if you were here, uh, I'm feeling the hate right now. Uh, just know that it's all love. Okay, uh, so these are, uh, love and hate are not opposites, okay? They're umbrella words, meaning that there's a lot of things that go in those umbrella categories, Right? Uh, so we talked about how love is energy directed for the sake of another person so that it costs you. So generosity, kindness, care, uh, encouragement, faithfulness, dedication, never giving up on someone, showing up in the middle of the, right? Yeah. That's all of that is love because love does, Amen. Right? But it's all for their sake, and it costs you, and you're happy to do it. Yeah. You don't even see it as like something that you, you gladly spend everything for them because of love, as opposed to hate. Hate is energy directed at another person for your sake so that it costs them. Criticism, gossip, discouragement, withholding things, revenge, resentments, right? Even pride, I can do it better than them, right? Control, power, getting them to do things. It's all for your sake at their expense. That's where we were last week in 1 John. So today, John's gonna talk us to about our, our loving Heavenly Father rather than this world. And James K.A. Smith says this, Jesus is a teacher who doesn't just inform our intellect, but forms our very loves. 
He isn't content to simply deposit new ideas into your mind. He is after nothing less than your wants, your loves, and your longings. Why? Because what we love, that's what we become. What we want, what we long for, what we desire, it informs and sustains and determines our choices and our behaviors. So today, when I preach, I'm going to be asking God, the Holy Spirit, to reform and reshape your very loves. You okay with that? Okay. Let's read together 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. This is the first command that John will give in this entire book. Here it is. Do, read this with me. Out loud. Loud, right? I mean, you dragged them there to hear this, so read it loud. Here we go. <laughs> Do not love the world or anything in the world. For if anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. Ooh, I don't sizzle this morning, right? Remember how Jesus, now John, defines love. Love is expending your life for the sake of another person at your cost, right? So, so for the first time, John issues this command, and if I were to simplify it, it would look like this. Do not sacrifice your life for a thing. How much does a golf ball cost? Three bucks and too much. Both are correct. You can buy a really terrible golf ball on Amazon for 83 cents a piece. It's a 10-pack for 12 bucks, right? Uh, but for some of us in this room, that 83-cent golf ball costs about 25 grand a year. Does that make sense? T-shirts, green fees. I don't know why it is that the golf always has, like, the shiny shirts, but they do, right? How much does, it, how much does uh, a, a piece of wood cost? Right? Home Depot, two by four right now, as of today, $3.24. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> right? Was three times that much a year ago. Uh, not for me. That two by four costs about 10 grand. Why? <laughs> Table saws, chop saws, right? Band saws, hollow chisel mortisers, right? For Jim Allen, it's like 50 grand at least, right? <laughs> We've got woodworkers in here, so a piece of wood doesn't cost that, right? You see where I'm coming here? Hear me now, right? How much does a fly cost at a, at a, at a fly fishing shop? It's not $1.25, right? It's like hundred grand easily, right? And your marriage. Yeah, you know, that's how much that fly costs, right? So... Hear me now. I'm not saying that your golf ball or your football or your wood shop or your hobby or your car or that video game or your love for nature or my obsession with Disneyland is bad, okay? I'm not saying that. But if any moment, time, the time and money that you have sacrificed for a thing gets in the way of you loving Jesus... And sacrificing for people in your life, you have now loved the world. The Father does not sacrifice you for things. The Father sacrifices everything for you. Amen. Yes. So here's the verse again. Do not love the world or anything in the world. Read it with me. 
If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. What is, your, what is John saying? Well, your heavenly Father loves you. He sacrificed everything for you, literally everything. There's been no greater moment of love, no greater love, no greater impact from love in all of, heavenly, all of history than when our heavenly Father and Jesus decided to save you and me at the cost of Jesus' own life. You will never know until you get to heaven the agony that our heavenly Father went through at the unjust treatment of his son, at the torture the Father experienced when Jesus was tortured, the depth of God's broken heart when his only son died on the cross to save us knuckleheads. Why? Because the Heavenly Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, they're united. They're one. They're together. They cannot be separated, which means that your Heavenly Father has nail scars too. He went through all of it as well. And all that pain was endured for your sake and for your salvation. Love is you giving everything you have for the sake of another person, gladly, willingly. And your father gave everything that he had, even his own son, for you. That's love. So to love a thing more than a person, to sacrifice your life for a thing, that's not God's love animating you. That's something else animating you, and that's a cause for concern. Got real quiet in here, in a hurry. <laughs> See, if God's love isn't pushing your life forward and directing your steps, and determining your budget and how you think about what to do with your time and who you're going to include in your hobbies for their sake. That's a cause for concern. If it's not God's love doing that, then what else is it? I'm pretty sure that the something else will not sustain you and build you and grow you and support you and and renew you for all of eternity like your heavenly Father will. Amen. Amen? So God created this world, and all, and it's beautiful. It's gorgeous, and the point is enjoy the world and all of its good things. Enjoy it. And remember that every good thing on this planet has one purpose. It's to remind you that God adores you, right? I have cheesecake, I just know it in my bones. God adores me, right? Right? That first step into the hot tub, oh, I'm loved, right? The smell of sawdust, right? For me, it's like Jesus. I'm with Jesus in his workshop. For some of you, it's Peppermint. Some of you, it's cut grass. Some of you, it's crayons. Some of you, it's the smell of the beach. Some of you, right? All of us have that place where we just feel like the, as we enjoy the world, 
around us, we know and are connecting with the reality that our Heavenly Father loves us. St. Augustine wrote this. This is 1,400 years ago. No, sorry, 1,800 years ago. To love the world and not God would be like a bride who loved the ring her lover had given her and cared nothing for him who gave it. Right? Oh, man, look how great this thing is. But forgetting who gave it to you. Now John's going to tell us why we should not love the world. Are you ready? Verse 16, read this with me. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father. Okay, so what's lust? Oh, aren't you glad you came to church today? Uh, So the first thing that you might pop into your head about lust is that lust is only about sex. Um, You're partially right that sex is part of lust, but lust is a lot bigger than just sex, okay? Um, Here's the definition for you. Lust is about wanting something more and more and more just for the sake of having more. And lust prevents you from having any compassion or love for another because people become obstacles in the way of your lust for having more. Does that make sense? So you can lust about a lot of things, okay? Lust can be about money. Every Christmas, we all watch the Christmas carol or hear about the Christmas carol or Scrooge, right? He's surrounded by money, and yet he has no compassion, no mercy, no care for Bob Cratchit sitting (laughs) next to him, right, and Tiny Tim, And we all think to ourselves, ah, that's greed. Well, it's actually lust for money, okay? Disney made a cartoon of Scrooge McDuck, right? And he literally swimming in his money because no amount of money for Scrooge McDuck was enough. Let me ask you a question. Are you using your money to love others, or is the point of your money to have more and more of it in the bank? It doesn't bring you security. It doesn't. You were secure when you had a buck 25 in the bank when you were nine years old. You're secure now. Even if you're rich, even if you're flat broke, God's got you. Your security and your safety have always been Jesus who literally is giving you your next breath. Steve, who plays the bass, is right now at Marion Hospital. He practiced with us this morning, got a call three minutes before church started, and his mom is taking her last breaths right now at Marion Hospital. Right? Ain't no amount of money in that, and her bank account is going to give her her next breath. It's only God. Lust can also be about sex. We want more and more images or videos or encounters, and nothing is going to satisfy. Nor do we have any compassion or love for the person we're hurting or using with our lust. So is your sex life about giving to the person that you love, or is it about more and more and more just for you? Lust can also be about things. It's that newest piece of gear, right? The latest phone. This is not the latest phone. Right? Uh, it's gear for your hobby. It's gear for your car, your truck. It's gear for your house. It's a new wardrobe. It's that new thing. 
It's the new shiny bobble, right? And what is it that you want? You want people to turn their heads and go, ooh, they're looking good. Oh, you got that? That's, is that the latest? Is that 2.0? Oh, my gosh, right? We're like, whoa, right? And every time, lust always is this thing that turns our heads to, to ooh, oh, oh. Let me ask you a question. Do you turn your head every time you see that shiny new thing you want? but fail to turn your head for the person you see who is in need. What turns your head? Lust can also be about pride. I still go with this one. By the way, when I'm writing all these examples, I'm preaching to myself. I know it feels like I read your text messages this week, and I did, but this is only for me, okay? So if it relates to you, then that's the Holy Spirit. Lust can also be about pride. I struggle with this one. So pride is doing everything by yourself and thinking that you're better at other people, so that's why you got to do it all by yourself, right? And lust is the desire for people to recognize how wonderful you are and how good of a job that you did, to give you credit and praise all the time. So you come up to me after and you say, oh, Andy, that was a great service. And I say, oh, stop, please, you know. <laughs> like, no, like, you know, it was all the Holy Spirit, you know. <laughs> Like, I had nothing to do with that, you know. Um, you know, it's just a gift. And thought, you know? Right? I mean, my lust in my pride is so ridiculous that I want to applause when I adult. Clean the toilet. <laughs> Nobody's going to say nothing. Right? Put the seat down again. Ain't nobody. Anybody see this? Right? I got my pants on. I folded the laundry. Right? I put my chair in. Anybody going to see this? Oh, you're not saying anything? Why don't you recognize me? Why don't you just encourage me for adulting? Say what? Okay, that's lust about pride. Somebody see me. This is why Jesus says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. He's attacking that right there. Are you doing it for your glory or God's glory? Or are you doing it for them or are you doing it for you? Wait, what's going on here? Right? But I put the dishes in the dishwasher. Why don't you just encourage me? Mm. Are you wanting everyone to notice all the things you do, even your basic responsibilities, and give you praise for it? Here's the deeper one. You ready? This is where God wants to reshape the loves of your heart and your soul. I think the deepest lust we all have is the desire for another person to do for us only what our Heavenly Father can do. We want more and more of their attention, their affection, their body, their praise, their energy, and it ain't never gonna be enough. We want them to make us feel better, or we want to save them so that we can feel better. And the result, in, the result is that we crush them and harm them with a weight that they could never bear because we're asking them to do God's job. You know what this is called? Codependency. And every human being starts out 
codependent. It's human problem, right? With great parenting, you don't have to be that way. Anybody have great parenting all the time? Like nine of you, awesome, yeah, right? Woo, wonderful, right? You know, good answer, Zed. Yeah, your mom's sitting right next to you. Okay, right? The thing is, is that we will ask that person to bear the weight of our soul. We'll ask them to, to always prop us up and always to help us and always to love us and always to be there and no matter what, no, 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 right? And all the while we're saying, well, uh, love me because I love you and I love you and you love me and no, wait, wait. And then we're crushing them. And, and, then, and then when we've crushed them to the point that we've broken them completely, we'll go, man, well, well, what happened? I just loved you so well. And the person goes... No, you didn't. You broke me. Are you asking another person to bear the weight of what only God can do for you? Or are you trying to save them or get them to save you? So the lust is for more and more and more, and it does not come from your heavenly Father. It comes from the world. It's the world's way of taking our heart that is custom built to sacrifice for others and the world says don't sacrifice for others sacrifice others for you and lust is the sacrifice of people for things here's the tragedy like the moment that you get more of something what happens verse 17 ready read with me the world and its desires. Somebody say Dagnabbit. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. Where's that car you bought in 1983 that you just thought was hot snot? Where's that car that you bought in 1999 that you could not believe had cruise control? Where is that car that you bought in 2004 that had a CD player in it? Anybody listen to CDs? Where's that Laserdisc player you spent $900 on in 1991? Right? Where's that outfit that you spent so much money on? It passes away. All our lusts eventually die. Everything that we've accumulated falls apart. The older the get, there comes a time where it's just like the weight of all the crap you've purchased is just killing you, right? My mother calls me all the time and says, Andy, I just want to clean out my garage because I know that the moment I die, it's going to take you six years to do it. And I say, Mom, just stop talking to me about it and do it already. I'm getting anxiety about all the stuff you have. Just sell it. And I just told her last visit, I said to her, Levi up there in January, and she's like, she told me the exact same thing. And I said, Mom, I don't care. I'm just going to burn it all. I'm literally going to light it all on fire. Call the fire department and say, come in an hour, right? And settle it out. It doesn't even matter, right? Like every moment of sacrifice that you have for a thing, that thing will fall apart and turn to nothing. 
Every moment of sacrifice that you have for the sake of another person, that will bear dividends and grow and turn into something beautiful now and in years to come and in years to come and for all eternity. And the moment that you get into heaven, you will meet people that what? That loved you because their love literally brought you into the kingdom. And then you will meet the people that loved them, that brought them into the kingdom, and on and on and on and on it goes. And you will see that your faith and your life and your joy and your hope and everything that you've been given to you has a a train of love that stretches back thousands of years, and all of it has been sustained and animated and grown by the love of one person, and that is our Heavenly Father. Do the bidding of lust. And you will die, and so will your relationships with the people you love the most. Do the will of God, and read this with me. Do the will of God, and your love and your life will literally stretch on into eternity. There's this guy named Charles Dutton. He's a wonderful character actor. You've probably seen him on television shows. When he was a young man, he was arrested and put in jail for several years for manslaughter. He accidentally killed somebody. Not intentionally, just accident, car wreck. And while he was there he star- in prison, he started developing an interest in acting, and he went to some prison plays, and then he got out, and he got some small bits and some small community theaters, and eventually got to Broadway. And when he got to Broadway, he was in just small little tiny character bits, and then finally his big breakthrough came uh, when he played the piano player, which was a major hit on Broadway. And then he was in television and movies, and one person asked him, how did you make the remarkable transition from prison to Broadway. And Charles Dutton writes this. Unlike the other prisoners, he replied, I never decorated my cell because I wanted to be reminded every day in this place is temporary. Your life's going to end. Your world's going to end. The car you couldn't live without, you just sold it last week. So glad. That game, that outfit, that bit of technology you salivated over, it's in the trash now. It's all temporary. Only God's kingdom lasts forever. And then John now helps us understand how the enemy gets us even to love the world in the first place. Verse 18, dear children, this is the last hour. As you've heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists come. This is how we know that it's the last hour. With beautiful affection, John says, hey, kiddos, my children, We're in the last hour. Uh, What does that mean? Uh, Think of it this way. When John says the last hour, or in the Bible, when it says the last hour, I want you to think of it this way. It's not like the last hour of history, because we're like, well, that was 2,000 years ago. They're wrong. It's not what they're saying, right? Uh, Let me ask you a question. Why is it that when you find something, it's always in the last place you look? Because you stop looking, right? So annoying. It's always in the last place you look. Not the first place, the last place, right? By the way, if you lose something, I have a song for you to sing, and I swear to God it works, okay? On my heart, on the Bible, hand of God, I'm preaching, right? It goes like this. It's, it's called the Magic Eyes song, okay? And it goes like this. Magic Eyes. That's it. And all you got to do is sing that song off-key, loudly. 
So you're looking for something, go, magic eyes, magic eyes, magic eyes. You will find whatever you're looking for so quick every time. I, does it work? People I know, people that know me, if you sing that song, Magic Eyes, you're like, I'm going to sing. I had a friend tell me this last week. He goes, dude, I sang the Magic Eyes song, and it worked. I'm like, I know. It works every time, every time. Okay. So why is it that when you find something, it's always in the last place you look? Um, why? Because uh, you found them, Right? So now that we have Jesus, our looking is stopped. It's the last place we looked and we found him. And we've discovered that he found us. Right? So that's what the last hour means. It's, oh, we finally looked everywhere else and now... It's this time in which we've actually found Jesus. What does antichrist mean? Antichrist literally means against or opposed to Christ. Remember that, that, that Christ means Savior. So if you're against Jesus being the Savior, then you're saying something else can save. So an antichrist is literally someone who wants you to be saved by someone or something other than Jesus. That's it. Drink this vodka. It'll change your life. It's the absolute truth. Buy this car, you will be happy and loved. Buy this home, buy, get, right? Whatever it is, right? It's a way of salvation. This is why our, in our culture today, it's okay, it's okay to be a part of any and any religion or cult as long as it's not about Jesus. Every single religion and cult is celebrated. Well, maybe not Scientology, but everybody else, right? I mean, Tom Cruise can only hold so much water for them, right? Uh, So it's okay to talk about any way to save your souls, crystals, Hindu yogis, psychedelic trips, hard work, as long as it's not Jesus. Verse 19, here's the tragic part about Antichrist. They don't come necessarily from the world. Where do they come from? Verse 19, they went out from us. us. But they did not really belong to us. If they belonged to us, they would have remained with us, but... Their going showed that none of them belonged to us. Think about it for a moment. If you were the enemy, how would you get the church to be wrecked, right? You would offer a counterfeit. You would offer some way to, to, to get us to, to not believe in Jesus. And so we think to ourselves, what? The enemy would come to us and say, believe in Muhammad right now. Does it work? Y'all Muslims? No, it doesn't. None of, it never works. Why? Because you think you're, that, because that strategy does not work. If the devil comes up to you and says, Jesus is stupid, you should worship the devil, me. You'd be like, no. But the devil does, that's not the devil's strategy, no. right? No one says, hey, I got this new money. It's a $75 bill. You want it? <laughs> what would you think? It's counterfeit. Why? No such thing as a $75 bill. You would think to yourself, oh, that's nice, but no thanks. Oh, isn't that cute? It's play money. It's not real. A counterfeit only works because it's so close to the real thing, but just slightly different. Does that make sense? 
That's what the enemy does. That's what an antichrist does. It says, let me tell you about Jesus, but I'm just going to shift it just a little bit. It's not a $75 bill. It's a $100 bill, but something's just a little bit off. And a little bit off as they go in a long direction, all of a sudden that distance goes more and more and more and more and more, right? I built a pavilion, helped build a pavilion this last week, and we laid floor, and my first tile was just slightly off. Not a big deal in one foot. 16 feet later, woo! Make sense? Here's a lie. This is not the truth. Here's a lie. This is not the truth. Repeat after me. This is a lie. Ready? God wants you to obey. God wants your best. 1 John says that if you don't obey, God's love won't be in you. If you want to be loved right, so if you obey, then God will love you and bless you. Wait a minute. There's some truth in there, isn't there? God wants you to obey. Is that right? Uh-huh. Uh, God wants your best. Is that right? Uh-huh. First John says that if you don't obey, God's love won't be in you. Well, that sounds kind of right. But it's just a little bit off. The last line's straight wicked. So if you obey, then God will love you and bless you. Victoria's got it. The gospel is crystal clear. Here's the truth. God the Father's love for you never changes. God the Father loved you when you hated him, when you were on full tilt rebellion. Rebellion. That's the moment he and Jesus chose to save you by sacrificing everything for you. Yes. Obedience is our delight in being loved and loving others, not the fear of losing what God has freely given. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. I'm landing the plane. Here we go. So loving the world, it's about saving yourself through stuff. Lust, it's just about getting more and more and more, all for the purpose of saving yourself. It don't work. So John makes it simple. Well, who's the liar? It's whoever denies that Jesus is the one who actually saves, is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who ever denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So then he encourages his friends. Read with me. As for you, see what you have heard from the beginning. Oh, there it is. Let's try that again. As for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you will also remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. You are built for heaven. You are literally designed so that you could bring heaven here on earth, that the eternal life Jesus gives you would start now. How? How, do you, how does it start now? Do not sacrifice your life for things. Put all of your affection and all of your love and God's capable harms and Jesus' saving hands and sacrifice your life for the sake of another person. Look, it, it, it was your father's idea from the beginning to save you. It's your father's heart to claim you. 
It's your father's desire to want more and more of you. It's your father's plan to redeem you and then to use you to bless you and bless others. So that your life would be summed up in one way. Eternal. So let's pray. Jesus, we come to you now and we ask forgiveness for the ways in which we've loved the world. We ask forgiveness for our lusts for more and more and more and how it's blinded us to how we're hurting other people. And we're asking right now, Jesus, that you would deliver us Change us. Change the very loves that we have in our heart. God, give us a love for you that we want more and more and more of you in our lives. Give us a love for others that is beyond thoughts and prayers, but that is loving well. Holy Spirit, come, help. And we ask that where we've done damage in our family because of our lusts, that you'd bring repair. And where we've done damage to our own heart or where other people have damaged our, our own heart because of their lusts, we ask that you'd bring healing. We love you, Jesus. And we praise you that you and your dad, our Heavenly Father, schemed and are still scheming and doing everything for our sake. And all God's people said, Amen. Would you stand for the benediction? I cannot wait for you to have the food that is prepared for you today. And if you're online, we love you. God bless you guys. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face be to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May his, he lift up his countenance, that's his delight in you, and give you all the peace and all the hope and all the love. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Go in peace this day. Pastor Andy Rock is the senior pastor of Coastal Community Church. It's located in Grover Beach, California, and serves communities across the Central Coast. Join us online each week on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. for our weekly live stream. We also have two in-person services at 9 a.m. and 10.40 a.m. in our sanctuary. Coastal Community Church is located at 1830 Farrell Road, Grover Beach, California. For more information, visit our website www.mycoastal.org. Thanks for joining us, and I hope you have a great week.